originally I worked, I created um, disability support programs for people out in the community. And with that, that's when the military really started their wounded warrior stuff. And so uh, I was reached out originally by the Navy to help them with some of their um, court camps for their wounded warriors. And it really, like you said, it gave me an opportunity for me to serve and give back. And it's a way for my entire family to give back and, and thank those people that sacrificed so much for us. And so it, my original passion is, is working with people with disabilities, but it's definitely grown to specifically service members, giving back those uh, service members. And so that's, that's why I do what I do. So initially, it was a, a passion for people who had some sort of disability, and then the passion kind of grew into those who have served their country. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. First with Wounded Warriors, and then just overall um, service members. Was serving in the military ever a thing that you had contemplated, or it just wasn't the path that you were on? It wasn't the path that I was on. Um, I focused more on my education all the way throughout. And so um, I went to college, then did my master's and did my doctorate right away, and then became a professor. But with that, especially in academia, I'm able to focus on so much on community service and giving back to the community. And um, so that's what I did in, in the community as a professor. And then the option came to do the same thing with the military. And so that's when I did that. Having said that, I've had tons of family members, um, including um, my cousin is a wounded warrior himself, but uh, lots of lots of family members that have been military and quite decorated and such. Is that cousin yes. the only one? So, no, uh, my father did in my immediate family. Having said that, he did not talk about it much at all. Um, I remember it a little bit because he was in uh, reserves um, eventually. And I remember that, you know, when he would go on his duty uh, weekends, definitely I wouldn't be surprised if he had um, maybe not PTSD, but uh, some things that related to it that he definitely did not want to talk about it. And, and he also grew up in a time unfortunately, where you didn't talk much about your service. The community wasn't as welcoming, and so uh, he didn't talk about it as much. His older brother uh, was a Green Beret, um, and then both my grandfathers served, and then several cousins and uncles uh, served. Yeah, someone in my family is, has uh, fought in all wars since uh, World War II. Welcome to this week's episode of the Medal of Honor podcast with your host. Tiffany Markink, a military veteran. For this episode, Tiffany sat down with Dr. Aaron Moffat of the Cibolo, Texas. Aaron Moffat is an Air Force civilian, GS-12. While he never served the military in uniform, 
he serves military service members transition out of the military and into the next chapter of their life. In 2005, Aaron Moffat earned his Doctor of Philosophy, Ph.D., in Sport and Exercise Psychology and Adapted Physical Activity from Michigan State University. While he is not a licensed psychologist and can't diagnose illnesses, injuries, or prescribe medications or therapy, Aaron can use different mediums of art and sports to teach resiliency skills to service members and wounded warriors. He also uses these means of teaching life skills like assertiveness, social skills, coping skills, positive mindset, grit, and mental toughness. So I worked with the Air Force Wooden Warriors uh, for seven, eight years. And then prior to that, I worked with Navy Safe Harbor. And really what it was is we used sports um, to teach resiliency. That was originally what we were doing. So I was a coach for what's called the Warrior Games, um, which is a Department of Defense um, Paralympic-style competition between each of the services. Then from there, Prince Harry created a very similar thing, um, but on an international scale called the Invictus Games. And so I was a head coach for that for uh, three years for for USA um, Invictus team. And again, our focus was let's use sports as a classroom to teach resiliency. And so uh, what I often say is sports my classroom, and in my classroom I get to teach what I want to teach. And so I like to teach resiliency skills such as confidence, positive self-talk, resiliency, grit, mental toughness, uh, coping skills, assertiveness, um, team building, all those things uh, that I think are valuable life skills, not just for sport, but um, valuable life skills that we can apply to any area in our life. And I just do it through sport. And then hopefully teach people how to do that um, and apply it to their everyday lives. Wow. So with the Invictus Games, you said how you did it for three years, you said? Yes, uh, 16, 17, and 18. Okay, wow. I remember, I think it was the first year that that started. I remember Prince Harry doing that. Did you ever get to meet him? Oh, yeah. Uh, we would, yes. He, he is very personable and very uh he's not just let me be the face of it no he wants to be involved in it and um he's at every competition but every medal competition handing out medals um and we're part of team usa and so therefore we win lots of medals and so <laughs> uh, i was there at many times uh with him um behind the scenes um, about to go out for a medal ceremony or something to that extent. You get to coach them with what your knowledge and expertise is, and then you win medals with it and get to meet the guy that started it, who 
happens to be Prince. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, it's absolutely, it's humbling. It's amazing. And I'm just fortunate that I've been able to work with some incredible people that, um, that other people want to give thanks to and, and be a part of, of their recovery story. And I'm just incredibly fortunate to be a part of their recovery story and, and ride their coattails. It's really what it is, is I get to ride their coattails and, and meet and, and, and do some amazing things because of, of the folks that I've worked with. I mean, it, it can be a 24-7 job, but it's all about building rapport and relationships with these folks. It really is about building rapport with these folks so they feel comfortable enough to take risks. And when we risk, that's when we're able to succeed and grow. And that's really what I try to do is, is build that rapport so they feel comfortable, um, build a safe environment so they feel comfortable to take those risks to grow. You know, being part of the Invictus Games and Warrior Games and um, some of the trainings that I do now um, with service members, it's, it's just, it's amazing because they invite me to be a part of their story. And it's just fun seeing their confidence grow and them stepping out of their comfort zone and succeeding. You know, I, I had a warrior over here the other day and just, I know she has struggled throughout her times, um, with different things. And, but it was so rewarding to see her. She came over to, to sign a document for me just to see her smile. And like I, I said something about like, you look taller because she wasn't so hunched over and, and beaten and comfortable with who she was and she stood tall. Um, it was just, it was just uplifting for me to see that. And that is because of her confidence and her successes and feeling comfortable with who she is. You know, I'm just fortunate to be a part of that. And that's really what the, the staff does is care beyond duty and really show these folks um, that we care about them as a holistic person, um, not just as a service member. Talk a little bit about what that degree enables you to do and how you use it in the, in the position that you're in now. So my current actual, my current position is now a, um, is a community support coordinator, um, for the Air Force. Um, and so, but yes, I worked, um, as a, uh, sports psychology and, and program manager, um, with, within, uh, the Air Force, uh, Wounded Warrior Program as a contractor, uh, through AFSI, um, which is now Magellan. Um, but, yeah, and so that previous position, I helped uh, create those um, the resiliency program. And so, uh, like I talked about before, in, in sports psychology, I would do it through sports um, and trying to teach resiliency through sports. And so, uh, I'm, my background is in swimming, and so uh, really increasing the confidence of, of folks. Um, that was the first thing that I would do. Uh, so many. Uh, it was crack me up even with it when I was working with the Navy. Um, I'm like, wait a minute, you're telling me you can't be a swimmer. You're in the Navy. Um, 
And so, uh, and I know an army person would love that joke. Um, and so, but yeah, and so it's, it's teaching them, you know, honestly, it was finding the person, finding where they are in the moment and taking them a step further. And like I talked about earlier is, is building that rapport with that person. So you identify, um, where they are. Um, and create that safe environment for them and then taking them a step further. Um, some people, it is literally just teaching them how to float because, uh, I've worked with a warrior that, um, unfortunately, a, uh, a, a roadside bomb blew up the bridge that they were driving over and, um, she was found, uh, face down in the water. And so she has, she was completely petrified of um, getting in the water um, but teaching her to just be able to float and being calm in the water was so valuable and important to her because she had forget seven eight nine year old son and they lived somewhat close to the beach and she had such fear of the water that when her son wanted to go to the beach she wouldn't be able to do it but what seven, eight, nine-year-old doesn't want to go to the beach, especially if you're living close, and what parent wants to continue to say, no, we're not going to do the beach, not going to the beach. And so she wanted to be able to have that rapport with her son. And yes, swimming is, is you know, what could some people think of a simple skill, but this is a very, very important, valuable skill to this person because now it has gives her an opportunity to connect with her son, which is so valuable in overall wellness of building that family rapport. And so that's some of the things that I try to do um, in my positions is identify where is that person, what's important to that person, create an environment that's safe to them, and then help them get a step or two further. And how does it connect? Um, and I do that as a community support coordinator too. Uh, we just did, a, um, an art program, um, for, uh, the 502nd, um, airbase wing. And so, uh, the, J- the JBSA is ran by the 502nd. Um, and so, you know, we had a couple hundred people come out and do an art project. Um, and again, it was, uh, one of our warriors, uh, was the instructor. And it was a way for a people to connect with each other. Um, also forget about some stresses. Um, but also if they had some stresses, they could put in the stress into the art and express themselves in this art project. And then in the end, what we'll do is we created tiles, um, basically kitchen tiles, uh, six by six kitchen tiles. And again, working with another, um, warrior that is a photographer, he's going to put it all together and make a collage out of it. And so we have, you know, a hundred, 200 tiles, um, that were made and we took pictures of each one of these tiles and then we're going to be able to create a nice collage out of it and, um, and hang it up as, as a, um, memento of the day. And so that's really what we try to do is teach resiliency in fun ways um, to help people extend their boundaries 
um, and, and develop some resiliency skills that they can apply at home. So many times within the medical community, the answer to whatever your ailment is, is to take pills and take medication. Yes. But I have seen in receiving my own care, I have found doing things like art, painting, drawing, equine therapy, pet therapy with dogs, those you can't put a price tag on. No. You really can't because it's impact. It, it has, like, here's my example. When I was in Kentucky, I did, I did equine therapy with a nonprofit organization that was started by a combat veteran. Every time I went to their ranch, I left a different person. I felt more grounded. I felt more at peace and I felt a lot more calm. I took care of the horse. I groomed it. I pet it. I spent time with it. I, I took it through an obstacle course and I got in the van to go back. And I just thought, ah, oh, life is good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but you can't do that with pills. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's definitely a, a reason for medicine and, and, and a value to medicine. Um, but there's also a value to, like you said, equine therapy, pet therapy, art therapy, music therapy, so many different things. And, and it doesn't necessarily have to be um, therapy either. You know, it, it can be, you, you know, yes, it's, it's called equine therapy, but th like I, I've gone through, uh, done a, a handful of equine therapy, like intro sessions, I would almost say, and, and or it's classes. And like you said, you, you leave that. And, and like, not that I've had a traumatic event, but like, I, not scared, but definitely nervous being around horses from, from a previous experience. And just like, I rode horses and, and, and like rode a horse and, didn't feel like I had any control over it or anything like that. And so I have a little negative baseline of, of, of what it means to be around horses and such. And, uh, but going to a couple of equine therapy classes, like you said, you build a relationship with this horse and, and you have to calm yourself to be around this other horse. And so like, it takes me, so, like, I got to work on my mindfulness skills to mm -hmm. to interact with that horse and, and take it to an obstacle course or groom it or, you know, ride it or whatever I'm doing. And um, like you said, you walk out of there and you're like a different person. You're like, wow, what an amazing experience. This is fantastic. Metal. special thank you from the heart sports thank you and have a nice day thank you have a nice day